like they're caught up in the rights The Constitution, what's it worth? Is this a sovereign nation or just a police state? You better look out, people, before it gets too late. All right, you know by now what that song means. The sound of that song means it's time to stand and deliver. Welcome to uh, Citizens for Free Speech podcast. And Patrick Wood, as we introduce ourselves here, I think the most important thing we have to point out right now is there's a little tiny uh, graphic in the upper right-hand or left-hand corner of our screens right now that announced to us what we want to announce right now, that this is episode number 52. Officially, one year of standing and delivering in the books. And I think that deserves a little golf clap for the... The hosts who have made this thing happen over over the last uh, over the last calendar year. Very very excited to be with you. I'm Bob France, National Communications Director of CFFS, and this guy's the boss, Patrick. Uh, I'm Patrick Wood, the director and founder of Citizens for Free Speech. We uh, we have a serious topic, but we're having more fun than we probably deserve to have. And this this is a it's been a joy to do stand and deliver. Not just because of the name, not just because of the music, that's all cool, but because we have a message that is the times, the timeless message for America right now to save and restore what we have left of free speech and put it back where it belongs in our constitution and our civic <clears throat> affairs and so on. And if we don't do this, we know we're in big trouble. I want to say, just as we start off this, Bob, this is a, this, number 52. We are at 52. That's amazing. I can't believe a year has gone by. But people around the world, especially the global elite, especially those people at Davos and uh, the World Economic Forum and others, they're calling for massive censorship to come to the United States. These people won't give it up. They're calling for illegal hate speech laws that would be, you know, potentially put people in jail for saying stuff like what we say sometimes on here. That's not hate speech. They are hate speech, but nevertheless. There's this global drum roll for it, quote unquote, illegal hate speech in America so that they can knock anybody down that they don't like. If they don't, if, if it's hating them, <laughs> you're going to jail, buddy. Bob, what is this all about? Well, you know, Pat, um, it's the reason we have done this for 52 weeks. It's the reason we'll do another 52 and another 52 after that. And I think the battle will be never ending because there are global forces outside of the United States that don't like the fact that the United States is, well, we like to say we have American exceptionalism that countries in Europe, uh, particularly those in the EU uh, and in Asia and in other parts of the world, when they come together for the United Nations and they, they plan their, uh, you know, their, their globalist uh, directives and their agenda, they know that the United States is going to be the last one to get on board. They're going to be the only holdouts. And the reason why is we have this little thing called the First Amendment. We have our Constitution. It provides us with things that they don't have in other places. There are other countries in Europe uh, right now that, and you know, this is the case in, in communist countries and in socialist countries, including in, in the Far East and China, but, but, but even nations that we might consider our allies, 
there are places where if you say the wrong thing in front of the wrong person, you can be jailed or you can be fined. And they call it hate speech and they say that hate speech is, is criminal. And what you're talking about is the European uh, Commission Vice President, Vera Jourova, who said at Davos in Switzerland last week at the WF, the World Economic Forum, illegal hate speech, which you will have soon also in the U.S., I think that we have a strong reason why we have this in the criminal law. Now, that doesn't sound like it's predictive. It sounds like it's an order. You will have this soon because we have good, just cause to have this in our law. And so what they will say, Patrick, is that anybody who says something that is offensive to somebody else, and we're not talking about typically offensive language like using the N-word or using uh, uh, any kind of racial or ethnic or gender or whatever slur that you want to talk about. What they will consider hate speech is anything that gets in the way of their agenda. And that's talking about speech that doesn't comport with their views on, let's say, COVID-19 or another national, international health emergency or pandemic or on the climate change agenda uh, or on uh, matters of war and who and what we should support. If we get in the way and say things that that provide, you know, particularly um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, opposition to what they are trying to put out, they will declare it hate speech and punish you for it. Now that happens in other countries right now. And they're basically telling the US, you're going to have to do that too, because you get an awful lot of noisemakers over there that we need to shut up in order to advance our agenda. And so the call has been made and the gauntlet has been thrown down. You will have in your country illegal hate speech laws. You will silence these people, stop them from spreading misinformation. And the last thing I'll say about it, Patrick, before you take over is, you know, hate speech is not the issue of the speaker. Hate speech is 100% the responsibility of the listener, the receiver of a message. It's up to you to decide whether you're offended. It's up to you to decide whether or not you have a problem with that and to extricate yourself from the situation if you wish. It is not up to a speaker to decide, I wonder how this person will take that. Should I say it or should I not? That's not a free country. That's not a First Amendment. The First Amendment says I can say what I want and you decide as the receiver of the message whether it bothers you or not and whether you want to respond to it, ignore it, walk away from it. But it is the responsibility of the receiver of a message to decide how hateful or how misinformative it is and what they want to do about it, not the speaker. Right. That's certainly true in America with uh, between Americans and between organizations in America. That is absolutely true. In the case of the World Economic Forum, they're so desperate to, uh, to further their global agenda that they think, and of course they can do this in the, United, in the European Union, they think that they can just dictate who says what and how you think and what you think. Somehow they've got this in their head over there because they have no opposition. The, the, these EU people, the, the Parliament EU, they're unelected and they're unaccountable. They can just basically do whatever they want. If they don't like you criticizing their narrative, they they simply call it hate speech, speech, and they're bringing it to America or trying to bring it. They're trying to bluster us into accepting these laws in America, and trying to get our own uh, you know legislators to back this kind of legislation, which you know is coming. It's already come in some states. You know it's going to come nationally eventually, 
because there's too many people that will just, oh, yeah, hey, I'll, I'll listen to you guys. Yeah, give me the script and I'll put it in a bill and we'll try and put it out there on the floor. Mm -hmm. Well, we need to be ever vigilant for the stuff coming in here. But I have to say, who are they to meddle with our country? This is just outrageous to me that somebody would stand afar and say, wag their finger at us. You need to do this. You need to do that. I say get lost, basically. And I wish all America would do it. I wish every legislator would just say, get out of our face. You don't belong here. Scat, go. Well, it's not the legislators we have to worry about, is it? It's the executives. No. It's the it diplomats that, that are appointed to the United Nations and to other countries that are partnering and and planning with these globalists, you know, Um and, and that's the real issue. We can, yeah, we can tell our representatives in the legislature, hey, you know, protect us from this. But but the the, the planning is going on here at the, at the executive level. Uh, and uh, and and that's the reality of it. Uh, we even sent our we even sent our Department of Justice, the FBI director, Christopher Ray, was part of the American contingency, the diplomats that's, uh, that's, at uh, at Davos. Yeah. So. You know, there's not much our, our legislators can do about it when our executives are essentially saying, yeah, we agree. We want to be a part of this global. Uh, and you cover this all the time, Pat. You cover this like nobody else does. You do it on technocracy.news. You do it on your your uh, your new television program as well. Um, you know, you, you are as, as well-versed in the issue of globalism and the attempted global takeover of the United States sovereignty as anybody is. So, you know, you know what the real issue is. Yes. This is... You know, this is this is what their agenda is. Well, I, I say that we we wash our hands of the World Economic Forum right now, and I hope we don't have to talk to them for at least a week or talk about it for at least a week or two. But I got there's just one more story we need to yeah, throw out. We do. Oh my gosh! And this this pertains to a journalist and an ambassador to of all places. Turning Point USA. That's Charlie uh, Kirk's organization, right? Sure They're is. based right here in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, this story is just amazing because one of their journalists that went to Davos to cover uh, the meeting over there, try and get some interviews and stuff, a, a lovely young lady, I might say. She's very conservative. She's very well-spoken. She's very articulate. Her name is Morgan McMichael. Uh, she was traveling back from Davos, and she found, as she, she made her first stop in America, that her name had been put on a list with the TSA. I'm not sure what the list said to do, but every time she got close to a TSA agent as she traveled across the country, she was stopped, she was searched, and all of her luggage was searched. And by the time she got to Phoenix, there's a song about that, wasn't there? One, Glenn Campbell, by the time I get to Phoenix. When she got to Phoenix, by the time she got here, and she did, she had been searched five times. And the people in Phoenix took her, her passport. Right. She called detain. We, we're detaining your passport. This girl had done nothing except just make a few reports from Davos. There was nothing like so earth shaking or so hateful that, that the TSA would put her on a list, but some rat somewhere along the way 
reported her to the TSA and they bought the line, whatever it was. And by the way, TSA does not go to Davos, right? They're, they're an American thing. They don't go to foreign airports. But by the time she got here, that's when her life started to fall apart. What's interesting in particular about Morgan McMichael, and I, by the way, I fly and I haven't been detained. I haven't been body searched. I haven't had my passport lifted or my driver's license lifted either. Not at all. But she has, and I'll tell you exactly the reason why, is because she is a social media influencer. Turning Point USA is a huge organization in America, mostly young people. There's not exclusively, but it's a very young organization. They go to campuses across the country. They speak. They have ambassadors like uh, like uh, Morgan. They speak and they give um, um, you know motivational speeches as well as, hey, guys, this is a big problem. We need to do this, that, or the other. And Morgan has social media channels where she reaches something like a half a million people a week with her posts. Yeah. And she has this huge following. Can you now figure well, out why they yeah, would want to harass in particular Morgan McMichael? I can. This is targeted harassment of somebody yeah. who is, as you say, is very influential on social media and is, of course, associated with Turning Point, which, um, you know, their target audience and their target membership is the same. Younger millennials and Gen Z. It is an opportunity to try to fight back against the indoctrination of this age and these, these generations of, of Americans uh, who have grown up in elementary school and in middle school and in high school and at the college level and been taught a very different way about what this country is. And Turning Point aims to to unindoctrinate them. I don't know if that's the right terminology. It's Absolutely. clearly not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's clearly not. But deep deprogram they may, them maybe is a better way of saying that. And that's what she does. And so she's been, I would not be surprised uh, if, if other influencers who are a part of Turning Point or other groups like that find themselves the subject of targeted harassment. Yeah. And this targeted harassment is not aimed just and specifically at Morgan uh, McMichael. It is, they're using her as, uh, you know, a warning sign saying, just so you know, if you get involved with our business, you try to travel to places like Davos and, and create a counter narrative to what we're doing there and try to warn people, this is what's in store for you. We're going to hassle you. We're going to harass you. Uh, maybe, God forbid, but maybe some of this isn't on this end. It's on that end in a, in a foreign country where they, where they confiscate your passport and you find yourself not being able to get back home again because they have determined that you're some kind of a threat or another, or maybe Patrick, let's tie this with the other story from Davos that maybe they've decided that on your social media, which is international, you're, you're guilty of hate speech. Yes. And if you're guilty of hate speech on your social media, as we determine and deem yes. what hate speech is, we mm -hmm. can punish you according to our laws. And that That's may mean right. detain you to take your passport and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this very all possible. ties together. This is a very dangerous warning shot. They're mm -hmm. firing saying, do not screw with us. Do not follow us. Do not cover us. Do not be a part of this or, or, or we'll do whatever we have to do to do to, to do to make sure nobody else ever does a, a, yes. you know, after you. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Well, this is an amazing story. If you, if you look up uh, Morgan McMichael on the internet, I think she has accounts on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and so on. If you look her up, give her a, give her a thumbs up, would you <laughs> just say way to go girl. I'm uh, I'm proud of her honestly for standing up to this. She didn't get bitter. She didn't rant. She didn't rage. 
Uh, she just told the facts as they were. This is what they did to me. This is how many times, you know, I got body searched all the time. They searched your luggage every time. <laughs> like how many times does TSA need to search your luggage for Pete's sake? Once they put a sticker on it that has been searched. Oh, we're going to search it again. They did that a bunch of times. It's crazy. Well, anyway, that's I'm I'm washing my hands with a WEF right now. I need a break from these people, Bob. I, I you well, know, I, it just drives, <laughs> it's just too much. Uh, I need to come back at it maybe in a week, ten days, two weeks, whatever. <laughs> take a vacation from it, and then we'll, then we'll hit something else. But can I take the opportunity right now, since we're in break time here, I want to encourage anybody listening to this right now to come and join us. If you're not a member of Citizens for Free Speech yet, you should be. We need everybody. We need every American, honestly, every American. How many of, what, 350 million, 75 million of us? We need every American mm. to stand up for free speech and stop this nonsense. That's the only way it's going to stop is if enough of us stand up and exercise our own rights to free speech. They can't do what they did to Morgan McMichaels to all of us at the same time. They simply can't do it. We'd break the system. You see, this is what we need to do. We need you at Citizens for Free Speech. You need us to stand with other like-minded citizens in America and make it, you know, stand and deliver. Like we said, like this pod, name of this podcast, stand and deliver before it's too late. We need to do this. There's no charge to join. It's free. We have members, however, that support our organization and they pay it forward. They pay it forward so you can come in and take advantage of all the resources we have. And if you benefit, if you like what we're doing, if you benefit from, from our resources, our training, our, our handouts, et cetera, then you have an opportunity to pay it forward as well and make it possible for even more people to come in and, and take, take advantage of everything we have. Learn how to put the firewall around your own community how to change policies where you live, how to drive this crazy wokeness out of your community, out of public policy, so that you can get control of at least where you live again, at least your town, your borough, your county, you can do this. Come join us at Citizens for Free Speech. Okay, that's my pitch. Yeah, and it's an important one, and I hope everybody understands. I'm going to correct one thing that you said, Ooh. Patrick, when you said that it's free. It is in terms of cost. It yeah. is in terms of treasure. You don't have to spend a nickel. It would be great if you did support us financially because you'll be supporting a cause that you believe in and we believe in, but it's not free. There is a, yes. there's a cost and it's called your time and yes. it's called your effort and it's called your passion and it's called your commitment to, to what we're defending. Um, we don't want you to just join and say, I did my part. I joined. I'm a member of CFFS and then <laughs> click off of the page and never come back. That's yep. not that's not what it takes. There is a cost you have to pay, and that is I'm going to be active. Yep. I'm going to be in my community. I'm going to go to the training. I'm going to attend the webinars. I'm going to I'm going to listen to the speakers. I'm going to follow the advice that they give. I'm going to make a difference in my community because every activist is a local activist first. You cannot go to Washington, D.C. and demand to see your congressman and make change at the federal level. You can make change at the local level. That's what uh, CFFS teaches, and it takes yep. effort. And like I said, it takes your time. So if you're willing to invest time, we won't ask for a nickel. Uh, but uh, if you if you can donate it in that aspect and support us that way too, great. We need it as a member-supported organization. But the only real cost that we ask that you 
absolutely commit to is, is dedicate your time, dedicate your effort to what we're doing. So. That's right. This is a participatory process that you must go through. Free speech depends on you exercising free speech. That's if right. you don't exercise your free speech, you can talk about it all you want. You can, you can recite the First Amendment all day long. If you're not doing it, you don't have it. You can't even hear it. You have to do it. And this is the whole thing about free speech, the First Amendment. It really does suggest this is something you have to get out and do. It's not like the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment doesn't go doesn't say, go out and start shooting your gun off everywhere. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says it's not a participatory thing. This is, you must act. Big you difference. Must, I know, big difference. You must yeah. stand up and take a position anyway. I like got, that. We've got, I like that analogy. <clears throat> we've got another kind of a tangent here, which is another interesting story as well. And <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, this one, Patrick, was as big as it got when it came to the online censorship and comes to the online censorship, which has been a fight for the last several years uh, in this country. Uh, we all know that there is a political component to this, that the, you know, the um, moderators and the CEOs, the board members, the organizers, the creators of all of these platforms that America is so addicted to are very, very left of center, the political, politically, ideologically. And um, they tend to choose conservatives, uh, people around the other side to censor and silence for the reasons that we talked about Davos and the globalists want to do. They want to do that because they don't want people to hear the other side of the story. Well, it didn't get any bigger than when Facebook and Twitter both on their own accord uh, decided a couple of years ago while President Donald Trump was still the president of the United States to ban him from their accounts. Now, Twitter is a unique situation because Twitter has changed hands. Uh, the individuals who banned Donald Trump no longer run Twitter. So the new guy, Elon Musk, unbanned Donald Trump and a whole bunch of other people. And in my view, if I'm Donald Trump, I look at that and I say, okay. You know, it's a new it's a new group. I may want a fresh start. I may accept the fresh start. They didn't ban me. Let's 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 go to work here. And I'm going to communicate with people just like everybody else. But the news story we have for you today is on the other side. It's the Zuckerberg side. It is the Meta side. Meta, of course, is the new parent company name for Facebook and Instagram combined. They did the same thing to Donald Trump. They still run the place. And now the two year ban that they imposed is up. And so they had to make a call and they said, uh, the question was, is do we unban Donald Trump or reinstate it or make it indefinite or whatever? And if you've watched this week or the last couple of days, any left-wing social media accounts, you'll know what answer they made or what, what decision they made. They brought him back, or at least they are in the process of greenlighting him saying we will indeed be reinstating Donald Trump's account with guardrails to protect against re-offense or re-offending. Now, that's not enough for the leftists. They want him completely banned and silenced. Nobody should be ever, ever to be, be allowed to hear from this former president again. But Zuckerberg and the team at Meta has said, we're going to let him back with quote-unquote guardrails. So, Patrick, I'm interested in your view on this. Mine is, if I was Donald Trump, I would look at them and tell them to go jump in uh, in the bay uh, there out in, in, in at Silicon Valley. Go jump in San Francisco Bay and don't come up again. There is no way I am coming back onto your platform after you took away my free speech rights and are now telling me you're going to treat me like a child. 
you know, it kind of reminds me of when a parent tells a child yeah. you're grounded for two weeks yeah. and you don't get ungrounded until you agree to the following guidelines. Mm-hmm. Well, they've grounded him for two years and are saying, okay, you can come back on if you agree to our guardrails, if you will. Um, it's, it's, it's still a violation of the first amendment. It's telling him you can't say things that we don't like, or else we'll ban you all over again. So they think they're actually doing the right thing here. And what they're doing, Patrick is extending their belief that, uh, people don't have the, including former presidents don't Mm -hmm. have the right to say what they want. Right. Uh, Guardrails are what, what you have on, on a hospital bed, right? When, yes, you know, they pull those things up and sometimes they handcuff you to them or strap you in your bed. So you can't wiggle out. Uh, you know, and you think about Trump, he's not the youngest guy on the block. And you think about guardrails and say, okay, what is, you know, what what really is going on here? It's very strange. I'll tell you what, I think that, I think that Mark Zuckerberg, uh, sees the tidal wave, uh, because of Musk primarily because of what happened at Twitter. I think he sees, or they probably just he, cause he's still kind of dictator of the company. Uh, he sees a tsunami coming, and he simply just cannot stubbornly continue to uh, to ban Trump. He has to do something to get him on, but maybe you know, not all the way. And that's probably what this this other guardrail nonsense is all about. I'm not so sure as I read this that there's that they're worried about what he says in particular, but rather what his followers will say like uh, QAnon followers and so on. They don't like that. They don't like that, that kind of talk, I guess. And so probably most people that would get the violations would not be Trump himself, be, be the people that follow Trump. He's, I expect that Meta has lost a lot of followers, a lot of followers since uh, January 6th when Trump got banned. I think that's probably Spank Zuckerberg. And remember, he's had a bad year too because Meta yeah. has not worked out the way he thought. He's lost billions of dollars in, in, in wealth over this period of time because Facebook stock went down. People are calling for Did, his resignation. Didn't, he lose, didn't <laughs> he lose in the neighborhood of $100 billion? Yes. I think the number was like his net worth like at the start of 2022 was around $144 billion. Yes. It's now $44 billion. That's an astounding thing when you think about it. It really is. And so my guess is he's had a kind of a little bit of an attitude change in the last, uh, say, nine months, maybe to 12 months. He's had a hard year. He's lost a lot of people. Meta isn't working out the way he had hoped it would. And he's facing this tsunami from the other side of the, the continent. Well, whatever, other side of the valley, I guess. That Twitter is now in grabbing some of Facebook accounts because people can say more freely what they want to say on Twitter than they right. can on Facebook. So yeah, Twitter and Facebook used to kind of be in competition for right. being the most censorous, if you will, of, of, yes. of platforms. They were all doing the same thing, but now that one has essentially opened it up for free speech more, how could the uh, other side not gravitate more over, yes. uh, you know, back to, back to the, uh, to the old platform that did censor, but doesn't any longer. There's an old statement and that's it's not actually, it's not an old statement. It's a very true statement. Go woke, go broke. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen this happen more than once in the last two years. And, uh, you know, Zuckerberg needs to come off his high horse and realize he's in business to make a profit. He's not in business to socially modify the whole world. That's no, not and, and, but, but, but what he is also in business to do, though, Patrick, and you and I have talked about this many times in the last 52, now 50, yeah. this is our 52nd episode. Um, 
he has an obligation as essentially the keeper of, you know, the, the town square, if you will, the press, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, these are news outlets. I mean, the fact that every news outlet from a small town newspaper to NBC news has accounts and they use it to spread information. It makes, you know, them literally avenues of the press. They're part of yes. that establishment. And so yes. censoring the, the viewpoints of people on these platforms is like censoring the press. So he's got an obligation to make sure all viewpoints are heard, not just the ones that align with his or his mm -hmm. team or his, you know, his moderators right. and so on and so forth, who write the algorithms that flag certain things for being banned and censored. And that's what's, you know, he's there to make money. Yes, but he's also there to provide a service. Elon Musk seems to get that. Elon Musk seems to understand that, that uh, yes. something that Mark Zuckerberg needs to learn. That's right. And I'll, I'll tell you, if I was an investor, I wouldn't put my money on Facebook at all. I'd, I no. would, and I would write him every day. I'd send him an email, tell him why I'm not investing in your company, because you're not paying attention to profits. You're not paying attention to your customers. And you're not the kind of company that uh, is going to give me a return on my investment. And that, and you know what? That's exactly what's happened in the last two years. That's why people within his own stockholder group are calling for his resignation right now Yeah, because they believe they've, that he has squandered an opportunity to turn a profit because he's chasing all these other things that they say, hey, what are you doing over there? Why are you spending $8 billion here and $4 billion there for something that's not going to work out? You know, that's, that's not good investment. It's not good business. And Mark Zuckerberg needs to grow up and, uh, you know, get in touch with what capitalism and free market economics is all about. Maybe yeah, he will. 100%. Maybe, maybe, maybe letting Trump back on is the first thing, the first step for him to say, well, which, you know, I'll which is exactly why Trump can't do it. That's, Trump I, needs I, to I was, teach and him I would agree. this financial. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, from a pride standpoint, from a, from a freedom standpoint, again, saying, what do you mean? You're going to let me on, but you're going to yes. monitor what I say or my followers <laughs> yeah. say more closely than other people. Yes. That's not free speech. That is monitored speech. That is again, potentially suppressed speech. So uh, exactly. Donald Trump needs to turn away from it for that reason, but also for the economic reason. If he lost all of that money based on decisions like this, why should Donald Trump who now has his own successful, not to the scale and yes. size of Facebook, but his own successful social media platform called Truth Social, which I'm on, and you can find me there at Always Write WHK. He's got his own. Why should he bail out Mark Zuckerberg? Why should Trump bring attention and millions of other followers back to Facebook to follow him when it's only going to benefit the guy that has done this to him in the first place? So yes. I hope Donald Trump yes. really you know, thinks yes. long and hard and inside says, no, I'm not going anywhere near uh, Facebook, exactly. no matter what their re-invitation looks like. Exactly. So, and if, if Mark Zuckerberg ever happens to give up guardrails, well, then Trump can reassess it again and say, well, if there's no conditions to come back on, maybe we'll talk about it. But otherwise, you're absolutely right. He's just say, take a hike. Don't want you. Don't need you. You need me, but I ain't going to play ball with you. Yep, exactly right. Yep. Well, Patrick, we're we're here. We're at the end of episode 52, an yes. official one year complete of fighting for the First Amendment rights of all Americans being First Amendment defenders. And that's exactly what we are at CFFS and every member uh, we call the very same thing. So as you said so eloquently, Patrick, in the middle of our conversation, it's time for everyone watching and listening right now to step up and become a member. You can do it at the webpage, as Patrick said, or to make it simplified, I like to show you this every broadcast or every podcast, text the letters CFFS to the short code 313131. 
You'll instantly get a bounce back link to join and become a member of CFFS and become a defender of the First Amendment. It's under attack, not just within our our, our, our borders uh, and, uh, and the oceans. It is under attack from all around the world, as we proved with the Davos statement. So uh, this is a long fight that's in front of us. Please, we need more soldiers to fight that fight. Join us. Get here, send that message right there, and join us in that fight as we begin year number two, Patrick, of Stand and Deliver next week. Yes, year number two. It is amazing. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next week.